When I watched that video, I realized that it's very easy to look at that video and go, wow, what happened there? And I think that there are times that God looks at his church and goes, wow, what happened there? Sometimes we look at our own lives and we think for ourselves, wow, what happened here? And I think I want to make it crystal clear to everyone listening, whether online, podcasts, or even here live. That God never points out something in your life just to tell you, I told you so. We kind of, there's people that see God that way, right? How many ever, kind of as a kid, you thought that a little bit? How many ever thought that as a kid? You thought to yourself, you know what? God wants to tell me how bad I am so that I can then accept him. I'm sorry, but that doesn't work. Just to tell you how bad you are doesn't really work. All it does is guilt, guilt in your heart. It doesn't really draw you to Jesus, but conviction, conviction draws you because of the grace of God. The Bible tells us it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance, right? So it says, it's his goodness within that grace realm that allows us to see everything that God has for us within that scape, right? That landscape of grace. The first week in this series, in this series called Kingdom Codes, we talked about honor, and the second week, we talked about gratitude. And this morning, we're going to talk a little bit about loyalty. Loyalty. Now, John Kenneth Galbraith, and we have a picture here of this man. He was an economist. Uh, and in, in, his, in his lifetime, in the early 1900s, he was called upon by many dignitaries to help sort out economic situations. He wrote his following story in the autobiography about his housekeeper. It, he had been, uh, his, and, and I'm going to read this excerpt if you would follow along with me. He writes this It had been a weary day, and I had asked Emily, his housekeeper, to hold all telephone calls while I had a nap. Shortly thereafter, the phone rang. Lyndon Johnson was calling from the White House. Get me Ken Galbraith. This is Lyndon Johnson. He is sleeping, Mr. President. He's not, uh, he said not to disturb him. Well, wake him up. I want to talk to him. No, Mr. President, she replied. I worked for him, not you. When I call the president back, the author writes, he could scarcely control his pleasure. He said, tell that woman I want her here in the White House. It takes some serious loyalty to jump in that situation and say, I'm sorry, Mr. President, I work for him and not for you. Emily, the housekeeper, understood the important truth that she was a servant to one man and obeyed his wishes explicitly. Her loyalties were to Mr. Galbraith alone. What a great example of loyalty we have today here in this story. Now, let me ask you this question. How many of you would say that for the most part, you are a loyal person? Would you raise your hand for a moment? Just, I am a loyal, hold it high. Don't get me halfway. Like, I'm not entirely sure because somebody might point it out. Seriously, like we, most of us, and you can understand that. Uh, matter of fact, do it again. Hold your hand up. And I want you to look around for a moment. Look at, look at the uphill battle I have this morning to talk about loyalty. To a room full of very loyal people. 
right? This is an uphill battle, but I am welcoming the challenge of this task ahead of me. Here's what I understood to be true as I was digging through what loyalty means and what disloyalty is. I realized that disloyalty is very difficult to see in the mirror. Disloyalty is very difficult to see in the mirror. It's very difficult to point out how we are disloyal. If you want to know more and you want to follow along, we have inserts in all of the bulletins here this morning. Disloyalty is very difficult to see in the mirror. I looked up the word loyalty and it means, the word is aman, which means to wholly trust or believe in, to be permanent, unwavering, and faithful. That's the root definition of the word loyalty. In the New Testament, there was one guy who claimed to be super loyal. Anybody know who that is? Simon Peter comes to mind as someone that was extremely loyal until the pressure got hot, right? Matthew 26, for those of you with your Bibles, turn with Matthew 26 with me here this morning. Matthew 26, beginning in verse 33. I want to unpack an interesting passage that some of you have read in your lives, some of you have read multiple times, some of you might be able to even quote some of the things that I'm about to say and storylines and the way it goes, but I want to kind of show a different side of it a little bit this morning, if you would allow me. Matthew 26, verse 33. Peter said this to the master Jesus. He says this, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Say that with me. Say, I never will. I never will. When you say that, That's a huge step in the direction of loyalty, is it not? He says, I tell you the truth, Jesus replied back to him. This very night, like we're not even going to go into tomorrow. Like you say that you are with me, right? Tonight on ABC, right? Tonight, this is going to happen. This is going to unfold right in front of us. Tonight, you will disown me. Three times. Not once, not twice, three times. Peter then tells Jesus, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. Bold statements. Peter said that even if his people fall away, you know those people, right? The unfaithful ones. Those people, the unloyal ones. You know that guy, that one disciple. I don't want to say his name, but he's sitting over there with a green shirt. Right? That guy over there, and then that guy over there, well, he's, he's dicey, he's shady. I don't know. But me, master, I never will. I'll never disown you. True loyalty is difficult to see in the mirror. Disloyalty, rather, is very difficult to see in the mirror. Peter said that even if all these people, I never will. He went outside after this whole thing went down. Some of you know the story, right? Some of you know the story. After it happened, he went outside and he wept bitterly. True loyalty, for those of you taking notes, is proven, not proclaimed. True loyalty is proven, not proclaimed. Because anybody could say anything that they're behind you 
and they're with you, and I stand with you till the end, or at least until we reach some, some sort of pressure. Right? I'm with you until it gets a little hot under the collar, and we need to move on. True loyalty is proven, not proclaimed. I just asked you a moment ago if you're a loyal person, and almost all of you, a lot of you, raised your hand. And I agree that there is a significant level of loyalty in the house of God. I know many of you. I know your lives. You're amazing people, amazingly loyal. But there's an element of our lives that always wants to grab at us. That element of selfishness that always wreaks his face at the wrong moments, at the wrong time in our lives. Would you agree with that at least? That while you remain to be a pretty loyal person, 90% of the time, if it's Monday, 80% of the time, if it's snowing or icy outside, 20% of the time, whatever that percentage looks like, it changes person to person. But we realize that it's very difficult to see disloyalty in our lives. So let me unpack this. And according to Proverbs 20, verse 6, in the New Century Version, it says this. Many people claim to be loyal, but it is hard to find a trustworthy person. This is Proverbs. It is truly difficult to find a trustworthy person. Now let me illustrate this for a moment, if you would. Back in 1947... Pee Wee Reese and Jackie Robinson both played for the Brooklyn Dodgers. At the time, they were good friends. What makes this story very, uh, not just enticing, but remarkable, is that Jackie Robinson was the first African-American baseball player to break the color and race barrier. And he went from city to city, and even in his own city at times, catching a lot of heat just because of his race. Fans wrote death threats. In fact, all sorts of horrible things were happening to him. Even while he was on the field, people would throw things at him. Brooklyn was, uh, the Brooklyn Dodgers that is, Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Dodgers were in Cincinnati when Jackie Robinson was playing second base. And his friend, Pee Wee Reese, was playing shortstop. The crowd started to throw all kinds of things, booing and saying horrible things at Jackie Robinson. And at that moment, Pee Wee Reese had enough. Pee Wee went over right beside his friend and fellow teammate, Jackie Robinson, and put his arm around him. And he looked up at the crowd with pride in his eyes and kept completely silent about it. The crowd all of a sudden started to turn the tide. They began to be very, very silent. It probably saved, in a lot of ways, Jackie Robinson's career from ending early. But the fact is that that was a special moment in history, in so much that that statue that you see up on your screen symbolized that act of loyalty between two friends. It's in, it's, the statue is found in Brooklyn, New York, in front of MCU Park. And you can see the picture there. The park that hosts the Cyclones. It's a minor league baseball team, but... Nothing minor about this statue here. A major moment in baseball history. Why? Because loyalty was exemplified on another level. I want to tell you something today. Loyalty is proven 
It's not just proclaimed. It's proven. And 2 Samuel talks about a soldier that stood with King David. And I'm just referring to the story for a moment. So if you would just follow with me. They were attempting to take his throne. And who was trying to take his throne? None other but his own son, Absalom. And there was a warrior by the name of Ittai. Or Ittai, as some would call him. When Ittai had a chance to walk away, things were dark. He had a reason to walk away. Ittai did not. Ittai, instead of running, when things got difficult, he said to his king these words. Here's what he said in 2 Samuel chapter 15. He said this, and this just it just rippled in my heart as I read it. Because he could have ran away. He could have gone a different direction. David was being tracked down. Could have ran away, and he didn't. And this is what this man said to King David. As surely as the Lord lives, as my Lord the King lives, wherever my Lord the King may be, whether it means life or death, there will your servant be. He said, I got your back. Many people say they got your back, but this man was literally putting his life on the line. Literally putting his life on the line at this moment. And he says, whether life or death, I am loyal to you, my king. When's the last time you said that to your king? No, not your pastor, not your president, not your local officials. You're king of kings. When's the last time you said to him, no matter what happens, no matter who says what, no matter what takes place, I love you and I serve you. Amen. Not only did this proclaim his loyalty, he proved it as he led 600 men in the battle that David elevated and David led out in this. And no matter what costs it costs me, I'm giving myself to you. That was his words to his king. And so I wonder if you understand the dimensions of how it was not like it is today. Loyalty was very different then. It was literally life and death. Nowadays, people will unfriend you on Facebook. And I am receiving persecution? Have we gotten a little soft? Like this, my friends, is persecution. Not whether they unfollow you on Twitter. I got unfollowed by three people. My life is coming to an end. Friend... This man stopped everything he's doing. He says, I'm putting my life on the line for my king. If you would allow me this morning, I want to do something that I want to challenge you to listen to this message differently. And I'm also challenging myself. Can we do something a little differently this morning? I want to reverse preach for just a few moments this morning. I want to reverse preach. If you would allow me for a moment. I want to I wanna say some things that would allow me to ex- expose some lies in our culture today. I want to reverse preach because there's some things that we've accepted. And the closer you feel to this, what I'm about to say, the more and more we have to check our loyalties. So sometimes I realize when I preach, uh, or any preacher preaches, right? We preach something here. Do this. I suggest this. Oh, here's what I should do. I want to submit to you this morning for the next few moments. I want to reverse preach. I want to give an opportunity for you to see the other side of it. Here's what not to do. How many ever learned something by what not to do? How many ever touched something, burned your hands and said, don't do that again? 
That's where reverse preaching is this morning. I want to tell you that whether it's some things in my life or some things I've seen in scripture and all the years of ministry and all the years and all the thousands upon thousands of sermons that I've preached, all these things, I'm kind of bottling some of this up here for a few moments and I want to reverse preach so that you can hear what is wrong with the culture today. Now I'm going to interject some thoughts that are true, but I want to reverse preach for a moment. And in order to destroy, I'm going to give you some keys to how to destroy your relationships. Reverse preach, remind you. Now, I went to church this morning and my pastor wanted all my relationships over. No, 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 no. It's reverse preach. Ways to destroy your relationship. Number one, be disloyal to your spouse. A great place to start with disloyalty is to ignore God's word. Do that. Ignore God's word at all costs. Do not listen to Malachi chapter 2 verse 15. Where it says, Has not the Lord made them one in flesh and in spirit? They are his. And why one? Because he was seeking godly offspring. So guard yourself in the spirit. And do not break faith with the wife of your youth. Be disloyal to your spouse. Speak about your spouse. And tongue-in-cheek form, whenever you're around in public places, say jokes about your spouse at their discredit. The Lord made you one with your spouse. Friends, that's old-fashioned. You shouldn't have to be one. That covenant stuff, that guard your heart stuff, God didn't really mean it. Remain with the wife of your youth. God says in, in, in Malachi 2, he says something that's probably not that important. He says, I hate divorce. So you know what? Who really cares about relationships anyway? According to studies, about 40 to 60% of you will commit adultery on your spouse anyway. So just do what you got to do as long as you're happy. Reverse preach. You see... You have to be loyal to yourself first. That's what really matters. You have to be loyal to yourself. If she isn't making you happy, if he isn't making you happy, you got to do what's best for you. This stick it outness, stick to itiveness, this covenant, it's old fashioned. Do what you got to do for you. Anything wrong with that? About everything wrong with that. See, You can then turn around and say, oh, looking upon someone lustfully is not a big deal. It's not a big deal. Not a big deal. Friend, that's also a form of disloyalty. A great way to be disloyal is to put everything else above your love, your spouse, your family. You want to be disloyal? Put everything in life ahead of your family. Put everything ahead of your spouse. Put everything that doesn't really matter in front of all the things that do. Friends, disloyalty is very easy. It comes naturally for us. Guard your heart from that lie. Guard your heart from that big, fat lie. You want to destroy your relationships? Be disloyal to your spouse. You want to destroy your relationship? Be disloyal to your friends. Number two, be disloyal to your friends. Proverbs tells us, In 17, 17, a friend is always loyal and a brother is born to help in time of need. 
you really don't need friends, do you? In some ways, there are times that we look at our lives and we think, you know, it's not a big deal to share this information about someone. Friend, that's called gossip. That's called gossip. Sharing prayer requests when that person didn't ask you to or something that happens in life group. Can you believe the way they spend their money? Can you believe the way that they're... Can you believe that? Can you believe this? Gossip doesn't belong in the house of God. Reverse preach. Do it and it'll destroy your friendships. Absolutely. Do it and it'll destroy your, your friendships, your relationships. Another way to be disloyal to your friends is don't tell the truth. In fact, if they ask you something... And the truth is going to hurt their feelings. By all means, lie. Lie. Because you know what? The job is to make them feel good, not for them to know the truth. So don't tell them the truth. And by all means, don't confront them. Whatever you do, don't confront them about something they're doing wrong. Are you catching this? Reverse preach. Whatever you do, don't confront them because you know what? If they don't like what you have to say then you know what? That could destroy your relationship and your friendship. But true friendship, the Bible is very clear, is loyal, even if it hurts, even if it stings. Another great way to destroy your friendship is to just don't hang in there. Don't hang in there with your friends. If your friend is having a hard time and you're in a disagreement, just walk away. Write them off. Don't do the biblical thing and forgive. That's so old-fashioned. I think we understand where I'm going with this, right? True friendships, in order to be loyal in your relationships, tell the truth. Confront each other and hang in there. Reverse preach will say the opposite. Can I tell you something? The kingdom code of loyalty is so important That even Jesus, as I mentioned earlier today, he was in the garden. I want this cup to pass from me. But because I'm loyal to your will, your agenda, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. You want to destroy your relationship. This is a great recipe for that. Don't tell the truth. Don't confront them. And my goodness, whatever you do, don't hang in there. There are other friends that... Don't, they don't have as much drama in their lives. Just hang with them. Just be with them. You've been, you've been with that friend long enough. It's time to move on. True loyalty hangs in the most difficult of times. How many times did God hang in there for you? How many times did God believe even when you didn't believe? How many times did God want for you better than you want for yourself. Even as selfish as we are. Isn't that amazing? That as selfish as we are, God still wants more for us than we could want for ourselves. That's amazing love. Did you get that? And no matter how selfish we are, that God actually wants more for you than you want for you because he's actually giving you a path. He's giving you a path. And if you walk in that path, you follow his word, there will be tough times But he sees way before you see. And he loves way before you even loved him. And he's painting a path for you. Number three. You want to destroy your relationships. 
Be disloyal to the church, Christ's church. It's his church, not mine, not the leadership. It's his church. The New Testament Christians, let me reverse preach. Those guys were radical, over-the-top kind of Christians. You ever met someone that's a little bit too committed in your eyes? And you think, wow, that person's way out there. Well, the fact is that a lot of times they're just up there because we're not. (laughs) Maybe they're just a lot more loyal than you. Well, there's some that may believe slightly differently. They may act on it differently. I know a lot of people that may do things differently, but they genuinely love Jesus. And that's the truth. But we often put ourselves in the boat of like, I'm like a real, I'm like a believer in Jesus, but I'm not one of those kooky ones. We want to say, I'm not one of those kooky ones. You know, the ones that give their 10% or volunteer in the church. Years ago, the core people in the church volunteered two to three times a week and attended two to three times a week in services and being a part of things in the church. Now the core are doing two and maybe three times a month. Loyalty is different today. Listen, you don't have to believe what I'm telling you. And talking to many pastor friends of mine, the culture wants to tell you, yeah, that's enough. This is how much you should do. Anything more than that is a little bit eccentric. And those guys that were like, Breaking bread and eating together and seeing great things happen. That was nice, but that was for then. That was for then. That's not for now. Listen, that's exactly what they're going to walk away with. But if you believe that what happened in the New Testament church can happen today, I I implore you to become loyal to something bigger than you. I implore you to realize that the kingdom code that we walk in, that honor, honoring our neighbor, And honoring our God. That gratitude. Gratitude for our neighbor. Gratitude for our God. And this loyalty I speak of. What if we started being loyal to each other? To the church? And that is direct representative of what God means to us. And I I said this before and I'll say it again. If everyone was as loyal as you in this church. If everyone gave like you gave. Served like you served. And loved like you loved. How different would this church be? That's a tough one. Because then we got to look at ourselves and we got to look in the mirror. And it's not easy. You see, we have to realize that in Acts 2, when they got together and they made the impact, they got together because they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Listen, not to programs. I love programs. I love programs. I love developing great opportunities, great events. But listen, they devoted themselves not to programs. They devoted themselves to the teaching and to the fellowship. And now, if there's no coffee, I won't go there to that church. They don't have coffee. I'm afraid of something that I heard recently happening in our churches today. Hmm. Should I say this? That many churches have become a TED talk with a scripture. Let's have some coffee. Share a scripture. Let's see how we can be better within ourselves. 
Friend, we are hopeless without the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me make that crystal clear from this pulpit right here, right now. We are hopeless without the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We are. And you can say, well, I'm, you know, I, I got the Holy Spirit within me. Yes. And if it wasn't for that, where would we be today? A little overboard. Daily commitments. They sold their possessions. If you look at Acts 2, 45 and 46, they sold their possessions and their goods and they gave to anybody that was in need. You have a need? I'll give to you. You have a need? I'll give to you. You have a need? I'll give to you. And they continue to meet together in the temple courts. That's an awareness that if we don't pray, if we don't seriously take a look at our lives and realize how important prayer is in getting with the Holy Spirit, the revival that we often want but are not willing to sacrifice for too much because we don't want to seem weird will never happen. Now, given, I understand there's life groups and things happening. I'm not talking about go here, come here instead of there. You go to your life groups, be a part of something. What I'm saying is that unless we pray, church, unless we pray, we cannot see breakthrough. I'm not trying to uh, put us in a situation where you have to you know, look at things, but, but I'm looking at how the American culture sees church and it's disturbing because here's what, uh, what it takes to be a disloyal church. Are you ready? Again, let me just say this last part, reverse preaching, attend church sporadically. The average American goes to church now one weekend a month. This is across the board. Not Assembly of God, not this. This is across the board. The average American says that they're Christian and they go to church, but they go to church one time a month. They pick and choose multiple places. They go in one place, youth group in here, Sunday here, podcast there, scattered, scattered all over the place. How about God wants to put you in a place to make a definite impact, to be a part of something bigger than you? That doesn't mean you can't listen to podcasts from other churches. Please do that. I encourage you. Find some wonderful podcasts. But let's realize that loyalty to the house of God and the things of God is more than just a few hours on a Sunday. It's every day of the week. This is where we celebrate. Number three, decide not to give or serve. Don't give. Don't be involved. Don't use your gifts. Don't use your abilities. That's a recipe for disaster. Can I tell you something? The fourth, th- the fourth one, if anyone does something you don't like, just get mad and leave the church. Don't tell anyone. Don't work on things. Growth and godliness are not important. Can I tell you reverse preaching is real hard? I- I'm going to stop now. I'm going to stop now because I realize, I think I got the point across. There's too many things that the enemy will whisper in your ear. And tell you, this is okay. And God says, no, it's not. It's not okay. Don't let the world dictate how you serve God. Don't let the world dictate the intensity in which you serve God. Loyalty to God means loyalty to his people and loyalty to the things that he is doing. Going into this new year, there's something that God is birthing within us. And he, 
And he puts something within this leadership the last few months that is causing us pain. Because there's always pain before you give birth to something. But there's often pain before you give birth to something. And I feel like we're right at the brink of something amazing. And unless we crack the code, and unless we live loyal to God, honoring him, giving gratitude, and being loyal to his church and his work, this is not a moment where we say, okay, Pastor Tony, instead of one time a month, I'll do two times a month. Okay, Pastor Tony, instead of two, I'll do three. Please, I don't want, I don't believe God wants pity serve. I don't believe God wants pity service. He doesn't need it. Serving God is about you growing and loving him through that serve. Here's what I want you to know. That every day you pick up your Bible and you read it, you're preparing for the next storm in your life. Many times people pick up their Bibles and they want, they're ready for the storm. And then there are other people that pick up their Bible because of the storm. You ever met somebody that is a completely unchurched, don't believe in God until something went wrong and they come to you at work and they go, listen, I know you're a person of prayer, right? Can you pray for, raise your hand if you ever experienced one of those before. You, you were mocking me in my church a few weeks ago. And now you want me to pray for you? And you think for a moment, a little bit of pride comes in you. <laughs> right? Because you want to, right? That, that flesh wants to go, I told you so. I told you so. How about you take that moment and go, I'm so glad you asked me. I would gladly pray. Man, that person's going to go, man, I was so wrong about you. Because you were there through their hard times. Can I tell you, people honestly, when people go through hard times and they get soft to the gospel, you can choose for that to be a moment of pride or a moment of progress. And I think it would benefit the kingdom of God for it to be a moment of progress where we say, you know what? I don't just want you to like me. I want you to love him. So I'm going to shine so bright right now. I'm going to love so hard right now. That it can't be me. I'm going to passionately pursue God on your behalf so hard. That you're going to call me during the week and go, what did you pray? Because everything is turned around. That doesn't happen with Sesame Street prayers. How many ever prayed prayers that you're like, I need a whole tissue box. Right? Some of those prayers you're like, man, there's not enough tissues in the house. You ever pray those prayers? Mascara running. Ah. Not on mine. I gave that up years ago. <laughs> I get waterproof ones. But <laughs> the kingdom of God is about progress. If we stay where we are, we'll go, we'll go where we've always been. But if you start cracking the code, the kingdom code, of loyalty to God and his church, some amazing things can happen. Would you agree with that? All disloyalty is born out of a divided heart. No more reverse preaching. This is real preaching. All loyalty is born out of a divided heart. 
Think about loyalty from God's perspective. He gave his only son for you and for me. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's a tall order, right? Everything I got? Yes, everything you got. Here's what James said about true repentance. Because some of you, I'm going to read this, but I want you to understand something. I believe that there are some of you here today that the Holy Spirit is going to do something in your heart in the next few moments. That's what I'm praying. And I've been praying that this morning. But there are others of you that are really good and very skilled at shaking off what God wants you to do. Just so you can get by the service. Don't. Don't do that this morning. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you today, James says this. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. What? We look at that, we go, that is so, what? I thought we were supposed to be excited. And, but you know what that means, what James is talking about? He's saying, really genuinely, when you repent to God, genuinely understand that you broke his word. And because you broke his word, you genuinely feel remorse about that. And that is biblical. To feel remorse over a a way that we've offended God is okay. But we don't live there. That's a place that we visit a moment in time and we take that moment and we say, God, I don't want to feel this ever again. So I remain loyal to you. And I decide from this day forward, this right here, I'm going to learn from this and move forward. I'm going to be loyal from this point on at this moment for this sin. Does that make sense? This loyalty is a heart issue. Not a physical issue. Again, I'm not talking about how many times you go to church, how many times you serve. That's not what it's about. This loyalty comes out of the heart issue that says, the kingdom doesn't need me. The world doesn't need me. That's a problem. If we think the world doesn't need your hope, that's a problem. Because the world needs our hope. Would you agree? He says, let there be mourning and gloom. Shake off the, I want to be loyal as long as it's convenient mode. Shake off the idea that if it drives you to tears, it's not what God wants for me because, you know, God is all about joy. No, there's times I cry and it's good cry. God, send us more of your Holy Spirit. I want God's fire in the house of God. I don't want our worship to be dry and our love for him to be pale. I want us to be set ablaze for the glory of God. Amen. That doesn't happen if you're casual in your faith. It just doesn't. It doesn't happen. And I don't know where you, you can personally go from here, but you know where you are. I think, you, I think if you look in the mirror long enough, you realize where you are in your faith this morning. So I'm going to ask you to do something for me right now. I want you to radically bow your heads and radically pray this prayer with me. Because for some of you, it's a stretch. I know right now it's a stretch. Just to, just to close your eyes and pray is a stretch. 
because you're not sure where God stands with you. And some of you are not even sure where you stand with God. Loyalty is a far-fetched idea. Some of you will need to go to your spouse or to your family today and say to them, it grieves me deeply that I've been disloyal. I've belittled you. I've torn you down. I've been unfaithful with my eyes. I've been unfaithful with my actions. And I need the power of God so I can be loyal to you again. Maybe some of you will need to be going to a friend of yours saying, I haven't been a good friend to you. I've bailed. I haven't stood there with you. I haven't helped you like I said I would. I've been too consumed with my own life. See, when you take hold of the things that God wants you to do, he'll take care of your issues. For some of you, it may go, it may be a matter of going to a leader and admitting, I still just go to church. I've never actually become the church. Some of you, you are faithful to come into the house of God. But you've never really realized that you are the church, not this building. And in that, you've not responded in how to love and honor God with your life. Loyalty begins with the heart. Some of you may be able to pray this, Oh God, I've been disloyal to you and I've hurt you. And say that in your prayer. I've been disloyal. Help me, God. Cleanse me. Change me. Heal me. Because I recognize that this loyalty is not just a problem in our culture. It's a problem in my mirror. Father, with the help of the Holy Spirit today, I pray that many would die to self in this room. And let the resurrection of your son bring loyalty into the house of God. Lord, we have some amazing loyal people in this church. But there's some of us, oh God, still have not cracked this code of loyalty. Help us today, oh God, that we will be sold out to you.